kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. Uh, with me tonight is the lovely and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you tonight, Miss Jeannie? I am actually fucking excellent. Awesome. That's so great. Paul's home. Yes, my, my, my husband's home, so yay. <laughs> I, I know you don't get to see him much, so that's awesome. No. Yeah, no, doesn't happen often. And uh, the best producer money can't buy, which is good because, you know, I don't really have the money to pay him. Hi, Barry. How are you this evening? I am also excellent. I was at a lovely vape meet on Saturday, but not nice. not that huge one in London where Phil Bizardo had a rant. Um. <laughs> oh, I, I don't. Okay. So he had a rant? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I'll I'll give you the a quick rundown, Jan. Okay. So... So, well, I mean, so it's kind of vaping related. Okay. But, well, you know, I mean, so your show is kind of vaping related tonight. We'll give you the, the latest and the greatest uh, in, in vape news. Or okay. actually, it would be the latest and the most horrendous. Uh, oh, Damien and Phil and Nick, and they had a bunch of people that were asked to come to this event, and they were going to have an advocacy discussion. And so they agreed to go so that they could talk about the TPD and what's going on with vaping regulations and, and the fight that we're up against. Okay. Unfortunately, the throwing out of free shit, the vape model contest, and the cloud chasing contest um, ran over and there wasn't enough time. Right, because the fact that the industry could be gone tomorrow, it doesn't really matter when you get to see hot models and have, you know, bottles of juice thrown out in the crowd. Perfect. Yeah. This yeah, is why I don't attend big expo type things. Yeah. <laughs> I was at a little vape meet. There's just the five of us. Uh-huh. We, we had a laugh, just, you know, tried each other's new liquids, all the usual stuff you used to do at meets. Yeah. Just in a pub with each other. Yeah. Um, and talked about issues. Yeah. Those are the best ones I've ever had. Actually, you guys, um, 
Alex has a lot of advocacy stuff to do tonight, so if we can bring him on in the next five minutes. Yeah, no problem. That, that would be good. We'll get the vaping portion of the the horribleness <clears throat> that is uh, anti-nanny uh, way early tonight. Um, not that the vaping portion is horrible. Uh, the vaping portion is good. It's, you know, the rest of the stuff, which is not so fantastic. Yeah. Although the squirrel story, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Okay, just want me out of now? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's all thumbs up, so. Okay. Okay. Good evening, Alex. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Um, good evening, and welcome to the Gazette update for the week of 4 4 Hi, Alex. How are you this evening? Um, experiencing varying degrees of customer service and travel interestingness. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like um, all kinds of fun. Yeah. How, how, how do I sound? Am I too... You sound great. Is it echoey or anything weird? I have no. headphones, but I, I, I'm on my laptop in a, in a hotel, so... Okay. I apologize so, for any audio issues. No, it sounds great. Perfect. So, so you're you're on the road again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think I managed to have like two weeks at home um, a couple weeks ago uh, before I went to California. And then, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm out and so, about for the next week. Nice. Well, if you like travel, that's a great thing. Uh, I hope you bought your own pillow. That makes it a lot more bearable to sleep somewhere strange, I think. Um, no. But these pillows look acceptable, so. <laughs> they don't look like they, they don't look like they ironed them first before they put them on the bed. That's always spectacular when you no. check into a hotel and you get that. It's sad that I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I hate to ask what's new and exciting, but where, where are you now and what are you doing? Okay. Well, uh, for starters, yes, I am in um, Thackerville, Oklahoma, at the Windstar uh, World Casino, or maybe it's just Windstar. Okay. Um, yeah, no, Windstar World Casino and Resort. I'm here for the next couple days for uh, Vape Blast. Okay. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this. It sounds like we've got a couple of uh, different... Um, kind of advocacy panel type discussion segments lined up. Um, there's some, some good people here. Um, I'm here. I'm, I'm a good people. Uh, <laughs> Shell Hamill from the Texas Safada. Um, Delegate Larry Faircloth from West Virginia. Uh, Greg Conley is going to be showing up. And nice. um, I think there's a couple of other people um, that will be on a different panel. So uh, if you're in the area and coming to the show, please plan to attend the panels. Should, should be lots of good information. Um, so yeah, and this, this whole thing starts tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. I'm leaving Thursday. Brian Carter is going to stick around and man our booth here, and I'm flying up to Pittsburgh to meet up with Julie, and we're going to be at the Vapor Showcase for a couple of days in Pittsburgh. Uh, so yeah, fun, hectic week. <laughs> well, 
yeah, you're you're getting to go to a lot of vape events, that's for sure. Yeah, Um, it's nuts. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I had a, a revelation. I, I think we're going to have to reach out to everybody that we've, every, every event that we've attended so far this year and just probably whittle it down next year. This year is a bit, so odd, I'm sorry, even numbered years are sort of, you have shortened legislative sessions. So we're actually, I hate to say this because I know it's going to come back to bite me in the ass, um, but this has been a bit of a lighter year in Oh my terms God. of the number of bills that we've had to activate on. So, Um, go ahead. so, so basically your legislative preview of next year is hold on to your butt with both hands. Maybe. <laughs> um, and we're also in an election year, which I, I think changes things a bit. You know, do you, do you really want to push a bunch of controversial stuff through, um, depending on, you know, whether your seat's up for, uh, you know, re-election or, or something. Um, I, there's a lot of different considerations. So this is a pretty interesting year. Um, and, uh, I, I I don't think we're going to get off so easy next year, uh, just because most you know most well most states are in session. But um, right now, about a third of the country is out of session, so things have kind of tapered off a bit, um, which is kind of kind of a relief. Um, I am so looking forward to August. I, I I don't think I've looked forward to summer so much since I. graduated high school um this is uh this is pretty 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 nuts um so uh yeah that's that's kind of where we're at but um despite this being a light year we have uh a few alerts that i a couple that went out this morning there were local things and another one that's in the pipeline uh that i'll get to um The existing one, everybody that seems there's lots of talk about Vermont, uh, which is great that people are talking about it. Um, Vermont is currently still looking at a bill that would uh, bring vapor products into the state's other tobacco products tax, uh, which is 92% wholesale. That would be among the highest in the country. Um, that bill, is, anybody who doesn't know the backstory on this, Um, originally this bill was, it was an amendment to a larger tax bill and that amendment failed. Uh, and so the, the guy, the author, uh, I believe representative Till, uh, took it back and presented it as a standalone bill. It's a uh, house bill 879, I believe. And, um, So, uh, sorry, I'm getting text isn't, messages as well. Isn't Jan's favorite person supporting this bill? Who's Jan's favorite person? And why are they your favorite person? <laughs> Feinstein. Oh, Feinstein? I, I, well, if it's in Vermont, God, I, I could, I could see that. I thought Diane Feinstein was from California. California. She is. What's she doing talking about Vermont? She just can't keep her hands out of <laughs> she, people's she's, business. She's so jealous she wants California to have a 92% of wholesale tax, probably. 
I'm pretty sure she put out support for this. Oh, God. That's outrageous. That. Um, that, that is ridiculous, but I could see her doing that. And if anybody hasn't seen my tweet about this particular issue, which is actually, this is, of all the, the tweeting I've done, this one particular tweet got retweeted, I think we're up to like 70 times, which I know is not necessarily viral, but I'm thrilled about it. That's um, cool. Because, you know, it puts, it puts a spotlight on the hypocrisy of the American cancer um, society. Yeah. Uh, and... You know they were. I can't actually believe that this person said this out in the open. Um, I mean, this, I, I expect this to be sort of a behind closed doors kind of conversation, but you know, right. publicly in print, this person said, "Yes, a ninety-two percent wholesale tax would be great because it will eliminate people switching from smoking to electronic cigarettes." Um, I, I mean. <laughs> wildly irresponsible and actually kind of against the grain in terms of what other public health professionals have said, including the guy that runs the Center for Tobacco Products. Um, so I, I just, I, I am quietly hoping that this person loses their job. I, I, I just, I mean, I know that the American Cancer Society has been pretty irresponsible with a lot of their public statements regarding these products and tobacco harm reduction in general. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. We don't often, maybe we do. I, maybe people are following this a lot more closely than I am. I'm certain that there are people that are following this more closely than I am. Um, right. but it's just, it, it seems like this, I, I just, again, it's just, just such a glaring, you know, uh, what's that word that you say when somebody, um, Gaff, it's Folk it's kind talk. of a gaff. Even though yeah. we expect these kind of things coming from this organization, to have it in print like that seems like kind of a gaff. I, I mean, yeah, you so. don't normally see them insert their foot too deep in their mouth in print, right? Generally, so, um, but to continue, sort of the history of this bill, which is very brief and rapid. Right. Um, the bill now, since this bill was introduced after uh, a very important kind of cutoff date, or there's like a crossover date, right. um, it has to go to the Senate Rules Committee, and they have to decide whether or not they're going to accept it. Um, and so I don't want to give anybody any real hope about this. The Rules Committee still could change their mind and let it go through the process, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it has been it's come to our attention that... Um, uh, most of the members of the Rules Committee are opposed to this bill uh, and a lot of senators who are in in high-ranking or who have a lot of, I guess, power or authority in the Senate um, are actually kind of shocked at the 92% wholesale. So uh, the House was pretty, you know, keen on passing it, but the Senate, not so much. Uh, however, that... Having been said, the bill is not dead. So uh, if you are uh, following our calls to action, please take the opportunity to write your senators and keep it fresh in their mind that this is a ridiculous tax um, yeah. and, and should be opposed. Um, so that's Vermont. Okay. And uh, the next thing, so we got two local alerts. I'll just mention them briefly. Um, okay. Beaufort, South Carolina, Beaufort County, South Carolina, um, 
actually I can't be too brief about it because this is there's a little bit more to it. Um, the county council is going to be considering an ordinance that would uh, prohibit vaping in uh, on county-owned property, county-owned buildings. Um, I think it might include county-owned vehicles. Uh, as it's written, that's sort of the limitations on it. But it could, uh, I think, some statements by um, a member of the council uh, sort of hinted that they may expand that to include uh, public places. So uh, for now, there's no hearing set for this. It's just this is this idea has kind of been introduced. And it was very clear from public statements made by members of the county council that they could really use some, some better information about these products. So uh, an email went out today to people that live in Beaufort County, um, complete with our, our standard talking points about indoor use. And uh, so if you live in the county, please take the opportunity to find out who your uh, county councilor is county council member and, uh, and and reach out to them and share your story and share any you know good information that you have about vapor products because they sorely need it. Um, this is not like some of the other local stuff that I've put together. Um, Beaufort County has uh, sort of a contact form in order to uh, get in touch with your um, lawmaker. Actually, I might be getting that confused with Louisville. Um, but uh, anyway, th there's a link to go and find out who your county council member is and, and you can find relatively easily uh, how to get in touch with them. Excellent. So that's Beaufort County, South Carolina. And uh, moving along to Louisville, Kentucky. Um, Louisville is looking at, am I saying that right? Is it Louisville or Louisville? You're asking the wrong girl. I come from up yeah. north. I had to take acting lessons to get rid of my accent because I would be pronouncing <laughs> it with a very thick Boston accent if you asked me normally. <laughs> uh, well, you've done an excellent job. Um, Thank you. I am from up and down the East Coast, and I'm sure that there are a couple different ways to say it. I'll try to make it as, as non-offensive as possible. Louisville, okay. uh, Kentucky, uh, your mayor is looking at an indoor, looking at expanding Louisville's indoor clean air law and uh, to include vapor products. Uh, and this was announced on April Fool's Day, not an April Fool's joke, uh, but announced on a Friday. Uh, my initial thought was, okay, you're announcing this on a Friday morning. You want to bury this story. But they actually did kind of publicize it well. There was you know, a tweet. There's social media. It's posted on their website. There's several articles written about it. Um, so this was not done under the cover of darkness, really. Um, it was probably just because it's the first of the month. And they are going to take the next six months to study the issue and come up with an ordinance. Um, they're working in conjunction with the uh, Louisville uh, Department of Health and uh, they are soliciting input from residents. Uh, so I sent an email out this morning to uh, about 250 people in the Louisville area uh, with, uh, again, this is not, I don't, it, you know, it's not a very easy list. I don't have email addresses for folks, but what you do have is the ability to find your Metro council district. And it's, it's actually pretty user friendly. You, you kind of click on where you kind of see your address or, you know, where you think your house is, uh, and, uh, and 
the little pop-up little balloon pops up and you can actually click on contact your Metro council member or, you know, their phone number is there. Uh, and, and so it is actually one of the more user-friendly sites. Uh, the only drawback is you can't like enter in your mailing address and find out exactly who your, your person is. You kind of have to look at it on a map. Uh, but other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty straightforward. So, uh, right now, all those people, and it's up on our blog. If you're listening to this and you live in Louisville, um, you can go to our blog and, and see calls to action for your state, for Kentucky, and Louisville, Kentucky should be right at the top. Um, again, talking points and, and uh, you know, interesting, informative bits uh, of information. <laughs> have I been traveling all day? Um, I think you have. <laughs> yeah. Are uh, our, our on our blog post about this issue and um, so take a moment and reach out to your Metro Council members and help educate them okay, okay. I guess that's it um, no it's not no <laughs> it's totally not. there's more <laughs> oh but wait there's Yay. more um, I haven't finished this yet because it is kind of a monster bill but Massachusetts um Gotta look this up because I don't want to mess up the bill number. Is um, it Tobacco Twenty One and 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 an and? and. Yeah. Um, let's see. Just give me just a second here. Okay, Massachusetts Senate Bill Twenty One Fifty Two, and my little tags for this one is Tobacco Twenty One sampling licensing. And a pharmacy ban. Oh. Yeah. Uh, the licensing is sort of a de facto thing, if I believe, if I if I've got that correct, um, and that's sort of tied into the free samples. Um, and I actually don't know what the state of licensing is for a vapor shop in Massachusetts at the moment, um, but uh, I know that some people have gone ahead and gotten their tobacco license. Um, oh. And uh, you know, uh, other municipalities are sort of requiring that as well. So you know, Massachusetts is sort of a minefield as far as regulations go. Oh, yes. um, I, I don't know whether I can say that most of the state, from you know county to county, has has um, passed some sort of Tobacco Twenty One regulations, um, but uh, that has been sweeping across Massachusetts. Oh yeah. The difference between this and what we've seen at the municipal level in Massachusetts is that there is a grandfather clause in here, and uh, the cutoff date would be September 1st, 2016. So if you're uh, of legal age to purchase tobacco products and vapor products on September 1st, uh, you're grandfathered in. That means you've reached the age of 18. Uh, everybody else, if you're born on the if if your birthday is on September second, um, you're turning eighteen on the second. You're just gonna have to wait until you're twenty um, to purchase paper products, uh, with no regard to whether or not you've been smoking as a teenager or not. Um, looks like it's the gum or breaking the law for you. Um, and you know, as with other tobacco twenty one bills. Uh, we're opposed to this because it lumps in low-risk products like vapor products and smokeless tobacco. And um, 
yeah, that's that. So um, this also, so, you know, Massachusetts has also been the, uh, I, I don't know if they're the, I mean, CVS is, they're the ones that started all of this nonsense, but uh, yeah. Massachusetts seems to be uh, good buddies with, with CVS. And uh, so now they're, they're working on passing a law that would prohibit pharmacies from, prohibit pharmacies or any establishment that has a pharmacy in it from selling tobacco products and vapor products. So your grocery store um, where, you know, in the past, I mean, I used to go to the grocery store to buy a carton for, you know, a decent price. Um, no more. That would not be allowed because grocery stores sometimes very often have uh, some sort of pharmacy component. Um, and um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, again, you know, CVS made that choice. Yeah, that's their that's their business decision. If Walgreens but you still and, sell diet pills that put you into liver failure, because that makes sense. Well, you can sell all of the 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 crazy energy drinks and candy bars and the stuff that make you want to need the diet pills. <laughs> It's just, you know, that's fine. That that whole vicious cycle is fine. Oh, but and at the drugstores here, you can sell alcohol. You should see if the CVS here, not that I shop there, but I've, I've gone in just to see it. They have literally a, a beer cave. It, it's a drugstore. Why do you need a beer cave in a drugstore? Why, why wouldn't you have a beer cave <laughs> in a drugstore? That's my question. <laughs> Just saying, just throwing that out there. I, when I where I went to college, um, uh -huh. there was a drive-through liquor store. Just saying, I mean. Here we used to have them where you drove through, and it was it was liquor and, and convenience store, all all, all uh, sorts of stuff. It was kind of neat. Yeah, those were the good old days. Um, so anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Massachusetts is doing uh, CVS a solid. And uh, re looking to require all pharmacies to stop selling all tobacco and vapor products um, with little regard for how a business wants to run their business. Um, so that's that. And then the, uh, I think I touched on, oh, uh, this changes the definition of, of smoking to include vaping. Uh, so this would include vaping in the state's indoor smoke-free air law. Um, and then I touched on the prohibiting free samples um, there's an exemption in there for retail tobacco stores, okay. uh, but uh, I, I don't know anybody that does any free sampling at a at a gas station. Um, <laughs> but still, I, I guess in order to qualify for that exemption, you would be required to get a tobacco retailer's license. Uh, that's sort of my initial assessment of it. I may uh, that may need some clarification, but um, that was my sort of quick thing. So, I'm bringing this up. Uh, right. without having a call to action to promote behind it because um, basically what this bill is is all of these issues were separate bills last year and now they've been smushed into one horrible Senate bill and um, and yeah so instead of having to move four or five different bills this year they've got it all in one tidy little package and um, it is it has not been assigned to a committee uh, yet it is currently oh, I'm sorry it has been assigned to the Senate Ways and Means Committee it has not been given a hearing date yet but uh, the concern is that 
once that hearing date is established, it could move very quickly. Okay. So I am working on a call to action for this. I'm trying to not write a novella um, <laughs> type letter that people will be sending, um, right. which is difficult because it covers so many different topics. Um, sure. But uh, I hope to have this out within the next day or two so that uh, Massachusetts residents can start standing up to this nonsense. Okay. Well, that sounds like a plan to me. Yeah, and God willing, that's it. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I am. Yeah, you certainly I, got a full plate. I actually, I, I, I hate to promote another show, but we are going to run long if I talk about this. I was in California last week for the Safada fly-in to Sacramento. Um, I believe I'm going to be going on the Plumes of Hazard show later tonight, nice. uh, and and we'll go into more detail about that. Um, okay. But just to put it out there so that we can link to it, um, that was a a very good experience, and um, kudos and and just I, I was honored honestly to be a part of that, and um, kudos to all of the the California businesses that showed up for that and and spent the day running up and down stairs, making meetings <laughs> with lawmakers. Um, it was uh, it was a very beneficial experience for me, and I hope that lawmakers got a lot of good information out of it, and I hope that the businesses that showed up to, to defend themselves um, got a lot out of it, and I hope they're able to take that back to their hometown and, 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 and share that experience with other businesses and, and encourage them to get involved. I don't care what what flag you want to fly, just you know, get involved in this. Uh, mm -hmm. It is vitally important, and California is an excellent example of that. Oh, yes. Okay. So, is that it, Alex? Yes, that's going That's going to be it. I promise. Okay. No, 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 it's fine. I'm just thinking about you. You probably want to lay down and relax, or at least sit down, relax, take a deep breath, eat something. Yeah, I'm going to go out, get some dinner. So. That sounds sounds great. I hope you have something tasty. Um, thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. And we'll see you maybe next week. And if not, maybe the week after. It's. I'm probably going to skip it unless you want to do this from the car. Uh, I'm going to be uh, driving home from Pittsburgh on Monday. Um, you know, I I can uh, I can I I did a cassette update. I can do a cassette update. They come in under seven minutes when I do them. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, well, we'll yeah, play it by ear. I'll, I'll try to I'll, I'll try to get home at a decent time uh, next Monday, but uh, well, we'll see. Don't rush. Cool. Take care of yourself. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Uh, Massachusetts, uh, they're just like <clears throat> I don't have words. You know, Jen, I think I realized why the state of Pennsylvania is so hot and heavy on getting theirs pushed through. Um, and I didn't realize this until recently. There are a lot of school districts who are still waiting for the state of Pennsylvania to sign their check for their 2015-2016 school year. Huh. Yeah. They haven't paid yet. You know, here's the funny thing. When we can't live within our means, right? When we budget push stuff around, juggle, try to decide what we can do without. How come the government is unable to do the same? Well, and here's my thing, though. You know, that that budget, that money was already allocated and in an approved budget. 
So because they can't get their shit together for next year, let's not pay this year's bills. And it just, it floors me that, I mean, are any government workers going without getting paid? I doubt it. Why is it public schools? You know, why is it always the kids and the elderly or the disabled? Why is or, why or is, the veterans? Yeah, it's, it's always those things. It's it's not government employees not getting paid because apparently the kids only matter when everybody in the world needs to protect, be protected from their own decisions because it's for the children. Except for when it comes time to pay for schools, then it's really fuck the kids. Well, and, funny and then we care about our veterans when we send them over to fight our fucking wars. But when they come home, well, fuck them, too. And our elderly, well, thanks for all the taxes you paid in for all these years. We're all in this together. Excuse me while I stomp on you. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it is. Yeah. I think that it would get fixed a whole lot faster if it was the government employees going without getting paid. You know, it's like um, the the House and the Senate, and you know, you know what they ought to do? They ought to wait until the last day of the year to pay any of these people. And if all <laughs> your shit's not done, you're not getting paid. And I bet you all their fucking shit would get done on time. I'll tell you, I think they should tie pay to performance with government employees, at least with the Congress critters and, and the senators and the president. I think performance should be tied to pay, um, which should be tied to how satisfied the American public is. You know, kind of like an American idol for politics. <laughs> um, let people vote in, you know, call in, vote, text text who you think should get paid this year. You know, and then everybody else can just go on to start in the Hunger Games. Well, just, I'm sorry. It was just, it was a fun idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I find it very frustrating. I find the government structure very frustrating. I find the way they deal with money very frustrating um, because they have no understanding of it. When you look right now, the debt, all of the debt in the world adds up to more money than even exists in all the computer banks. How is that possible? And yet the derivatives market, I don't know if anybody knows about like derivatives how you take a bet on a bet on a bet on a bet mm-hmm. on the outcome of something. Yeah, I watched the okay. big short. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yet the derivatives market is worth a hundred times more than all the debt, which is worth more than all the money. I, I don't understand this new math because none of it makes any fucking sense. It's okay. So none, none of the people that people, use it understand it either. So well, you're fine. If, yeah. if people, people are it's really ignorant. It's like, like futures trading. What? I'm the dumb one here. Is derivatives, is that no. like futures trading? No. Because well, I never understood trading in futures either. How well, the fuck can you trade something that doesn't even exist yet? Well, futures right, is like, guessing uh, the derivatives, derivatives is market betting is betting. On the outcome. Yeah. Derivatives is like gambling on the outcome okay. of something. Okay, that yes. makes sense. Thank you. Uh, well, you need to see the big short. Um, that'll clear a lot of that up for you, actually. Great movie. It really explains a lot of this stuff to people who don't understand money. Um, I don't. I, understand I wonder money. if any of the 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 bank officials portrayed as not understanding how derivatives work. 
have watched the big short and now understand how derivatives work? Um, you know, only if they saw the movie, maybe. <laughs> um, if they read the book, it was pretty clear in the book, too, as well. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. I like well, money. In, like, the state of Pennsylvania promised um, half of the money from the lottery to schools and the Department mm -hmm. of the Aging. I, I have yet to see a f n anything that says they so much has got a dollar. So if if all of this lottery money was supposed to be going to the elderly and the schools, why the hell are they still having such a hard time with school budgets? It, um, it's, it on a need, it's on a need-to-know basis. Jeannie and you don't need to know. Mm. That's how government works. The, the, and, and the, actual, the actual answer would be, they said they're going to put the money towards schools, and but but that's not what actually they did. Uh, they took it yeah, into their central budget and then it vanished. More, so we just figured we'd do that. Yeah. For God's sake, what did they use the the tobacco settlement money for? Innocent delight. Not what its intended <laughs> purpose is. You know what? It, all it's doing is making a bunch of lawyers very very rich. And what's hysterical about that is, is the tobacco-free kids, they put out a report every single year stating how much of the tobacco money didn't go where it was supposed to. Right. Well, Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids is, is not the most unbiased news source out there. I'm just going to throw that out there now. Um, I, I would be happy getting my statistics from Voices of, Voice of America um, more than I would be happy getting them from Campaign for Tobacco Free Kids because they spin math just like we've seen some of the pet epidemiologists spin math. And they need to change their name to Tobacco Promoting Kids. Um, well, actually, if you really want to technically look at, at what they've done, there's a lot of times, and I don't know if anybody read this article, there's a woman who sent her child to school. Her child had no idea what tobacco was and came home after the campaign for tobacco-free kids came in with all the cans of snooze and stuff and, and was asking her mother about smoking and tobacco, and, and her child had no idea what that even was, and she was infuriated that they came into the schools and promoted that to her child, and that was against her wishes. And they keep going on about e-cigs and other things being promoted to kids, and then the only way it's and then they use the advertising. They use cigarette advertising to see look to compare e-cig advertising to, and it's like, hey, you're the ones who are now showing this to kids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not it's not the tobacco industry. It's not the e-cig industry. It's you that's showing this to kids. Exactly. I to warn them about the advertising. It's like, I, you're nuts. In, in a way, they're very, they are grossly irresponsible in the things that they do. Yeah. And the things that they say. And uh, you heard what Alex said. Yeah. About the American Cancer Society, what they said. Oh, good. Jack the tax up to 92%. That'll stop people from switching from smoking. Why would yeah, you say it'll that? Eliminate you would only say switching. that if your yeah. paycheck were directly affected by how many people smoked. Yeah. And that's the truth. That that is why they're actually promoting using these products, although saying they don't. Which with kids, that's the oldest trick in the book, isn't it? 
don't mm-hmm. do something, you can't do something, it's bad. And that make rebellious children want to do it more? I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. But um, if you look at the way reverse psychology works, what we just said about these horrible, horrible institutions makes perfect sense. So, yeah. Who wants to hear about a squirrel? <laughs> Does anybody want to hear about a squirrel? And there, there's a reason I ask, because it's kind of better to start with funnier stuff than horrible stuff. Okay. Um, I think, anyway, that it's better to hear about that. Okay. Rogue squirrel results in school lockdown. SWAT team responds. Hot Springs, Arkansas. A recent job has likely left a few pest control workers red-faced as their removal attempts resulted in a school lockdown. According to Corporal Kirk Zayner, police received a call from an employee at Gardner Primary School about 8 a.m. saying that three men with rifles were walking near the front of a school. The teacher reportedly activated the school's intruder alarm and notified and notified administrators of the situation. The school immediately went into lockdown. Zayner said when the police responded with several departments and a SWAT team, a search for the armed men began. Investigators said they soon learned that three men from a local pest control company were trying to eradicate some squirrels from a nearby apartment complex. The men told police that one of them had fired a pellet rifle at a squirrel found at the apartment but missed. The squirrel apparently ran towards the school and the men, all armed with the same type of weapon, chased after it. As police were responding, continued Zayner, the men saw the police, thought a dangerous situation was occurring at the school, and left the area. None of them knew that they were the ones that triggered the police response. Zayner emphasized that the men were never actually on school grounds. <laughs> Damn squirrel. Yeah, so it's obviously Rocky the squirrel, and they're, <laughs> they're afraid that uh, Bullwinkle was going to show up as well. Well, you know, and Go here's ahead. the thing. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. and my husband and I discussed this because it was the same way at his school, um, we, we live in the country, and there are a lot of families here that depend on hunting mm-hmm. to help feed their families for the year. Sure. So it, it was not uncommon for anyone over the age of 12 who had a valid hunting license to hunt on their way to school and to hunt on their way home from school. Right. And do you know where their hunting rifle was during the day? At school? In the, in the office of the school. You you walked in and the secretary verified that it was unloaded and it went back in the office and on your way out of school you picked your gun up from the office and hunted on the way home. Well, it, what? So, if if you managed to shoot a squirrel or something, did you just hang it while you're no. in school? No, you called in to school and said that I have to take my game home. Oh, okay. And if you missed first period because you were taking your game home, um, you were allowed to turn in and make up work. Oh, that makes sense. I also have to oh, say that, on that this. That was back when the world made more sense. Yeah. I also have to say on this story, whoever these pest control guys are, are idiots. They <laughs> missed. They missed. Really? <laughs> it's a squirrel. They're not exactly hard to shoot. 
No, no, they're not really. Of course, I just thought it was funny that a school completely got locked down because of that. And yet, if you want to contrast that, let's go to the CIA story, shall we? CIA accidentally left explosive material on a Virginia school bus. For two days this week, special needs students in Northern Virginia rode on a bus that was also carrying explosive material mistakenly left by the CIA. The agency last week conducted a canine training exercise with the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department at Briarwoods High School, located about 35 miles west of downtown Washington, D.C., where they were reaching dogs to detect bombs. Some of the explosive material, which appeared to be a small black package, was found near the vehicle's engine and reported to the CIA on Wednesday. The device, which was discovered during routine maintenance on the bus, was not a threat to students and did not contain a triggering device or a detonator. Briarwood spokesman Wayne Brind told NBC4 Washington. The bus carried 26 special needs elementary and high school students, a total of 145 miles on Monday and Tuesday. Loudoun County Public Schools said in an email to parents on Wednesday night, those students were taken back to Rock Ridge High School, Buffalo Trail Elementary School, and Pine Brook Elementary School. During the exercise, explosive training material was inadvertently left by the CIA K-9 unit in one of the buses used in the exercise, the CIA said in a statement Thursday. To prevent such incidents from having, happening again, the CIA has taken immediate steps to strengthen inventory control and procedures in the K-9 program, the agency said. CIA will also conduct a thorough and independent review of the CIA's K-9 training program. CIA performed a full inventory this morning and accounted for all the explosive training material used in the K-9 training program. Well, after they got the phone call and recovered what they left on the bus, I guess. Uh, the training program has been suspended, according to the Loudoun County Sheriff's Department. All I can say is, if it had been my school and one of the school buses, they wouldn't have got it back and there'd have been interesting explosions happening in the countryside. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to a, well, I've said before, I grew up in the countryside. Sure. Kids would have noticed the package. Kids would have examined the package. Kids <laughs> would have known what the package was. Well, sure. Because, yeah, estates, me... estates quite often use explosive for things. They have a license for such. So the kids grow up knowing what it looks like. <laughs> well, I mean, apparently it was in the compartment where the engine is I, I guess I don't know it just seems like contrast the two stories <laughs> yeah you know pellet gun explosives left by the CIA hmm which would you feel less safe about well I mean the I CIA are just being the CIA to start with <laughs> the CIA are just keeping standard with the FBI and police who keep doing airport training canine things where they lose the explosive. At least the CIA got theirs back. <laughs> you know, some of those airport incidents, they never got their explosives back. It just disappeared. Well, yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's funny how much of the explosive material actually passed through TSA. Explosive Don't even get me material. started. I got to fly next week. Don't even get me started. Have you have you have you chosen your your fake bomber belt yet, Jeannie? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking TSA. Well, 
It's okay if you have a fake bomber belt, you'll just get waved through. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody on the news was bitching about the guy. He took a selfie with him. Really? Yeah, that was that's funny. What you have to, that's what you have to bitch about in all of this? Don't you think it was kind of intelligent for the guy to say, hey, can I take a selfie with you and post it on the fucking internet? Yeah. <laughs> that way people knew. Because had it been real, somebody would have seen it and noticed. No, let's bitch because the guy was brave enough to say, hey, dude, can I take a selfie? Yeah. Well, at least. But it kind of sums up the British reaction to terrorists. (laughs) Oh, you're a terrorist. Cool. Come here. Yeah, photo. Yeah, no problem. Let's take a picture. Because we had the IRA for 100 years. We were. Well, you know, what I was going to say about it is at least he was smarter than the guy who tried to take the selfie with the grizzly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bears okay. don't like cameras quite as much. Yeah. No, no, bears don't like them. And that guy found out real quick. Mm-hmm. Especially don't use flashes or anything like that. Yeah. Don't no, start no. all the 400 pound killing machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll start no, in the Margo just put it in chat. Here's the most hysterical thing about me having to fly to Vape Bash. Um, <clears throat> Par is flying in. Lisa's flying in. Uh, Demetra is flying in. Liz is flying in. Uh, Dawn's actually driving in. But, I mean, there are all of this whole group of girls that I meet up with at Vape Meets. We all are going to be a bash this year. And um, we actually have a list going of... The things that whoever is driving needs to bring with them. Like hairspray. <laughs> like my hairspray that TSA any, takes every fucking... Any aerosol cans, basically. Yeah. No, but I'm supposed to be able to take it if it's less than three ounces. Yeah. And yeah. When, you well, buy it, when you buy it in the travel size section of the fucking pharmacy, you're supposed to be able to take it on a plane very... Yes, I know. But Every year, the sons of bitches take my hairspray. They never ask to look at my purse that's got three DNA devices, 12, 18, 650 batteries. Well, you already look like a bomb. None of that shit. You know, their their fancy fucking scanners never pick up on my spinal cord stimulator implant. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, yeah, it's security theater. Yeah. Actually, you want to see security that works, you actually want to go through the airports in the Holy Land. That's yeah, Israel. Yeah, airports. You don't want to try and get dodgy stuff on a plane in Israel. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> you won't be, even if you're innocent, you still won't be seen for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You'll just be taken at away. Very, at the very least. Um, yeah. They actually have very good security measures. I mean, if you're actually talking about keeping people safe and not playing security theater... The Israeli standard is about the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Israeli planes, <laughs> for people who don't know, El Al, their, their airline. Right. Not only have they had armed people on it, as basically as long as the airline has existed, you know, they have the equivalent of air marshals, um, yes. except they're actually military guys in military uniform on the plane with a submachine gun, not a pistol, a submachine <laughs> gun. The, that will teach you to behave. <laughs> the pilot, the the cockpit has always been lockable, and it's also been um, armoured, so you can't even nice. blow it open. And right. the pilots also have a gun locker on in the cockpit. Nice. So if if, there's a, if they start hearing noise from behind, because the air marshal's being shot at or whatever, the okay. pilots arm up, put on their bulletproof 
jackets and get ready. <laughs> that that hey. that's Israelis, yeah, prepared. Yeah, they're not well, exactly. They? Hmm? They're not fucking around. Nope. No, it, they actually take security seriously. Wow. They brought that in. All that came in after one plane got hijacked. Yeah. They went, don't. right, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> this will never happen again. Yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're very serious about it. And, and however you feel about Israel and Palestine or whatever, um, I haven't got a good um, visual of that whole thing. And um, But I, I have to admire their airport security. They take it very seriously. It's well, not you like see, the fucking joke it is here. Um, you see what they're now doing in Brussels? You know, the airport reopened. Uh, uh-huh. They're now doing the security screening before people enter the building. Nice. So you can't even get in the... If you're not a passenger, you can't get in the airport. But they have the x-ray scanners and everything set up before you go in. So, yeah. Which is kind of how security should be. Just But airports didn't like it because they like having all the friends and family wandering about buying the overpriced food and drink. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) Yep. That's clearly not a priority now. You know, if you're really worried about terrorism and hijackings, and violence and bombings. I mean, that is clearly the way to go with things. Yeah. Uh, Security experts have been telling airlines this for decades, but they're like, oh, no, that's a bit too far. It's like, no, if you don't want an explosion in an airport, that's what you have to do. Well, I love how they pull liquid out of your luggage because it might be a bomb. And the way they safely detonate these bombs is to throw them in the trash can with all the other bombs. Well, as you say, that is theater. In the most heavily populated area of the fucking airport. That is the (laughs) security theater because, you know, all the bomb incidents on planes that have happened in the last few decades, all the bombs have been in the baggage, not on the passengers. Well... Yes, but if you can make everybody paranoid, I guess they think somebody will slip up. Who knows? Yeah. It's just hard telling. Um, okay. So, you had a story after this one I'm going to read about John McAfee. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to grab that one? Yeah. Because I didn't put it, it in with the notes. Okay. Uh, John McAfee, FBI knew all along they could unlock an iPhone with Celebrate's UFED Touch. Cybersecurity legend uh, and libertarian candidate and some murder suspect, John McAfee says the FBI unlocked the San Bernardino iPhone using a device that the FBI had in their possession since 2013. According to an email exchange with McAfee, the FBI signed a sole source contract with Celebrate in the summer of 2013 to provide forensic devices for analysis of smartphones and mobile devices. The device is called the UFED Touch. Why would the FBI bother getting caught up in a battle with Apple if they already had the solution to unlock the iPhone? McAfee says the FBI was less interested in Apple than it was in precedent. If it went against Apple, then it could go to Google and get a master key into Android, which has 91% of the world's market. A software master key, which costs nothing, can be given to every agent in the Department of Justice for free. The Celebrate devices cost thousands of dollars per unit, way above 
the DOJ budget for everyday use. McAfee has told several media outlets over the past two weeks that he knows who's helping the FBI to hack into the San Bernardino iPhone, but he would not reveal it to Selbright until today. When asked how he knew about Selbright's agreement with the FBI, McAfee declined to give his sources. Selbright is a mobile forensics unit headquartered in Petfa, Tikva, Israel, with its North American office in Persephone, New Jersey. The company was founded in 1999 and acquired in 2007 by Suncorp, a publicly held Japanese company. Selbright employs over 500 people and also has offices in Asia PAC, Europe, and Latin America. They describe the UFET Touch as a comprehensive standalone mobile forensics extraction device. Selbright's phones must be ringing off the hook now. Now, on the other side of the <laughs> pond. Yes. This is a pretty interesting story, isn't it? Yeah. Well, do you want me to read the Telegraph sure. article? Sure, I would love you to. £120 high street device can unlock an iPhone within hours. Apple's iPhones can be unlocked using a £120 code breaker in the wake of the FBI lawsuit demanding the Californian company creates a backdoor into its phones to aid an investigation. The device, called an IP box, can be easily purchased online and from a shop in Sheffield and managed to crack the passcode on an iPhone 5C within six hours, the mail on Sunday found. The IP box bypassed the iPhone 5C's inbuilt mechanism to self-lock after five failed passcode attempts and worked its way through thousands of combinations before correctly setting on the four-digit code out of a possible 10,000 combinations. Each code takes around six seconds to check, meaning any iPhone running iOS 7 could theoretically be unlocked in no more than 16 and a half hours. <laughs> the tool plugs into the phone through the iPhone's lightning connector, which is connected to a small circuit disp- board displaying the output input code. Once the correct code has been entered, it flashes on the s- small screen and unlocks the phone, giving the only access to the iPhone's photo, messages and other personal information. While the device currently only works with devices running iOS 7, the iPhone software first released in 2013, supplier Phone Fun Shop is planning a stock a version which works with the most recent version, iOS 9. <laughs> After months of legal battles, the FBI dropped its kit. Well, the rest's not really important. But right. yeah, basically, yeah, so- there's an off the shelf device you can buy on the internet that does it. Bugger this thousands of dollars. Oh, please. I use Play Doh. Yeah. Take the dead man's fucking fingerprints, stick it on Play-Doh, hold it up to the iPhone fingerprint scanner, and it'll unlock the damn iPhone. Shows you, though, you know, it's the, this company, Celebrate, were probably the originators. But, yeah, some right. Chinese companies copied it already and <laughs> and selling of a cheap version. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this is way more affordable. So, FBI, you know... <laughs> Get Get on eBay, yeah. Yes, exactly. You can get this much cheaper, and you can make it much more affordable, yeah. you know, to invade all our privacy. So, Well, yay. like I said to you in, when, when I mentioned this story, yeah, this is, this is one, another reason why I've got an Android. I mm-hmm. can control the way data's encrypted on my phone. You yeah. can't on an Apple. <laughs> no, you really can't. So I, I can use custom encryption if I want to. Very true. So I don't know if anybody else, if anybody else read the story about the the Latin America 
election hacker. Mm -hmm. There's like a 14 page story. It's yeah. actually very well done and scared the holy bejesus out of me. And I'm not a big fan of elections. I'm not a big fan of the way we do things. Um, this guy, uh, Andreas Subvelda, um, he digitally rigged elections across Latin America for a really long time. And he had done a pretty good job of it, apparently. And yeah, so I'll just read this for you. I think this is from The Independent. I worked in politics that are not seen. A political cyber hacker who manipulated elections across Latin America has told his story for the first time from a prison cell. Andreas Sapita explained his major role in the unseen politics that wins and loses elections, which he has said is endemic around the world in an interview with Bloomberg. From creating fake Twitter accounts to fool the voting public to digitally eavesdropping on party campaign teams, Mr. Savita said he traveled the continent for eight years bringing major political events. Now serving 10 years for charges, including use of malicious software, conspiracy to commit crime, violation of personal data, and espionage, the 31-year-old is reportedly hoping to prove to the public that he has reformed to get a reduced sentence. Yet at the peak of his powers, he made, among many other systems, a software program called Social Media Predator, which managed a vast range of fake Twitter accounts to help betray a distorted virtual reality to voters. When I realized that people believed what the internet said more than reality, I discovered I had the power to make people believe almost anything he said. Mr. Sapita said he provided a team which would hack smartphones, clone web pages, send mass emails and texts for some $12,000 a month. For $20,000 a month, customers could buy a package including digital interception and attack techniques. He has said he was mainly on the payroll of Miami-based consultant Juan Jose Rendon, a claim Mr. Rendon flatly denies. Having helped to bring Mexican President Enrique Pena Nieto to power, Mr. Sofita was asked whether the U.S. presidential campaign was being similarly manipulated. I'm 100% sure it is, he said. His alleged former employer was reportedly approached by Donald Trump's campaign team, and Mr. Radon himself said he is looking to be involved in a future U.S. presidential campaign. The Trump campaign also denies this. When rigging elections in Nicaragua, Panama, Honduras, El Salvador, Colombia, Mexico, Costa Rica, Guatemala, and Venezuela, Mr. Savita said his team employed a range of methods. In one instance, in Mexico, he sabotaged the electric the electoral chances of a candidate by making computer calls tens of thousands of voters with pre-recorded messages at 3 a.m. in a critical swing state. Angered voters switched sides and the candidate in question lost by a slim margin. On another occasion, Mr. Savita said his team installed malware in routers to another candidate so that when the candidate's team wrote policy speeches, the hackers showed them before their own teams did. Brought up as a child during the, Marx in, during the time of Marxist guerrillas, Mr. Savita said he supported right-wing politics on principle. I worked with presidents, public figures with great power, and did many things with absolutely no regrets because I did it with the full conviction and a clear objective to end dictatorship and socialist governments in Latin America, he said. I have always said that there are two types of politics, what people see and what really makes things happen. I worked in the politics that are not seen. Because of death threats and assassination attempts, Mr. Savita is under highest security in prison and is checked on every hour by guards. 
He said he's now helping the authorities track hackers and is helping stop ISIS by spotting their Twitter profiles. Yep, no surprise. Yep. Uh -uh. Uh, um, no. God, even um, charities, news media organizations, okay. they're all doing this. Mm -hmm. um, um, there's a comedian, Dave Gorman. Um, right. he, he's, he's, he actually found a site, you know, because he was mm -hmm. interested in it, where, you know, you can buy Twitter followers. Sure you can. Loads of them. And yeah, they'll they'll tweet about you. <laughs> like, oh it's, yeah, I, um, I don't understand. Uh, Raven Grimm, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> and you you buy th you know thirty thousand yeah followers. Yeah, I mean I'm it's, good. I, I don't yeah. need that. I don't need that. I so don't need to win anything. Everybody's up to it. Um, right, but see. I think people should have a really clear view of what the world really looks like, and they don't. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're f if you're on Twitter, Facebook, anything like that, before you automatically click on friend or follow somebody, always look at the profile. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because if it's got a username that isn't a name, <laughs> it's it's a fake for a start. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a random series of characters, it's not a real person. <laughs> <laughs> if the photo looks suspiciously glazed or too good, mm -hmm. as in it's high resolution and all that kind of stuff, and the person looks immaculate, it's because it's a stock photo. It's not a real <laughs> photo. Yeah. Um, you know, and the about, if the about is very short and brief uh, and doesn't appear to have been written by a human, it's probably because it isn't, hasn't been, you know. <laughs> Because, yeah, I get, uh, I've been on, I'm on Twitter a lot, and yeah, you, you've got, you've got people start following you, and you look at their profile and go, you're not real. <laughs> yeah. You're, I mean, a, you're a Twitter bot. <laughs> it's, right, but that, that piece, the one from the Independence, really small. There's yeah. a much larger piece, and it's about oh, yeah. 20 pages. And the things this guy did are fucking stomach-turning. Oh yeah. Oh, I know how cutthroat political manipulation is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so Jeannie, any thoughts about that at all? No, ma'am. None. Not a damn one. I am trying to avoid a lot of shit lately because my mouth tends to run away all on its own. She is storing up her She's she keeping can. it at a simmering rage. She's she can, but yeah, I'll bitch about the DOJ. <laughs> You're gonna bitch about the Department of Justice. You won't bitch about. Ah, sorry, yeah, stealing elections. I guess we all expect that. Yeah. No shock. Because there. I, I keep saying, I don't like any of these people. No one <laughs> likes any of these people. They're all terrible. Mm -hmm. So you look at them and go, nope, noper, nopeist. Yeah, I mean. I say the rest of the world is looking on with horror. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering what's going to happen when 10,000 people vote in the national election. Well, you know, if you can change votes, and we've talked about this before, where they're able to go in and just change votes in the computer-based voting systems. I mean, A, you already know with the electoral college that your vote really doesn't count in this country. 
But if they can just physically change it without you being any the wiser, your vote doesn't really count either. And I hate to say that to people um, because I really think, you know, it's good to get out and vote. Um, it's good to get out and vote for regional stuff. Uh, the presidential election, I, I don't, I think you get what they want to allow you to have um, is basically my theory on that. So, you know, I think in that sense, just voting just encourages those bastards to keep it up. And, I, you know, I'm sick of hearing about whose wife is a slut and who's got a small penis and who has tiny hands and and stupid jokes and I, and I'm so sick of looking at, you know, Ted, I'm a wax dummy cruise. I can't stand it anymore. The shit needs to stop. It, it's not, it's disgusting. It, it just makes us look like a fucking laughing stock to the rest of the world. And I guess we kind of are. Okay. So are you talking about the asset forfeiture? Yeah. Department of Justice, because I'm going to let Jeannie have a rant, uh, reopens asset forfeiture sharing program after temporary budget-related shutdown. From the And there was much law enforcement rejoicing department. Right before the end of last year, the Department of Justice, facing budget cuts, announced it would be ceasing its equitable sharing program with local law enforcement agencies. These agencies complained loudly about the unfairness of being decoupled from the asset forfeiture money train, as this partnership offered allowed them to route around more restrictive state laws. Today, they're breathing more easily thanks to the Department of Justice's resumption of the Temporary Disabled Program. The Justice Department has announced that it is resuming a controversial practice that allows local police departments to funnel a large portion of their assets seized from citizens into their own coffers under federal law. The Equitable Sharing Program gives police the option of prosecuting some asset forfeiture cases under federal instead of state law, particularly in instances where local law enforcement officers have a relationship with federal authorities as part of a joint task force. Federal forfeiture policies are more permissive than many state policies, allowing police to keep up to 80% of the assets they seize. A North Carolina sheriff is looking at getting his hands on nearly a million dollars, all tenuously tied to illegal activity. The equitable sharing program is a great benefit, Graves said. It takes money from the drug trade and puts it to better use for the community. He said that according to the best estimate from pending cases, equitable sharing should provide the sheriff's office with approximately $846,000. Meanwhile, another North Carolina sheriff says the lack of sharing might have resulted in dead officers had the feds not resumed handing out money taken from people never charged with a crime. The restoration of the equitable sharing funds will serve as a boost to the morale of law enforcement professionals nationwide, said Alamonde County Sheriff Terry Johnson. Those monies were used by my agency in the past to purchase much-needed equipment for the safety of our officers and the citizens of our communities. I am thankful to God that we did not lose any officers because of the lack of safety equipment during the suspension of the equitable sharing program. And it appears New Hampshire is either heavily reliant on equitable sharing or its representatives heavily reliant on law enforcement support. Both senators and the state's governor issued statements welcoming back the DOJ's set of twisted incentives. Then there's this article with a headline that appears to have been written by a law enforcement. Money coming back. Federal program resumes helping local municipalities. 
This is not good news for citizens, as now they're facing an increased risk of having their cash and belongings taken from them without ever being charged with a crime. The best move would have been to leave this permanently defunded. The Department of Justice isn't saying how it's making up the $1.2 billion difference that resulted in the shutdown last year, but it likely has something to do with the fact that seizures by the FBI and DEA are still generating plenty of income. Okay, Jeannie, go. And in no part of this does it say that once they come and they take your shit and you're found not guilty, that you get any of your shit back. That's that's what I think people don't realize. So you don't, it's gone for good. Bye. Yeah. See ya. You have a lot of shit they want. Fuck, just let the DOJ know and the DOJ will go in and they will take all of your shit and you don't get it back. Even if you didn't do anything, you don't get it back. It's just a redistribution of wealth in a lot of cases. Oh, boy. And, and that's what people don't understand. Everybody in this country operates under the premise that, well, if I didn't do anything, I have nothing to fear. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Yeah, it's, that's just not the truth. But that's what, that's what most people think. I'm yep. not doing anything wrong. I have nothing to fear. Um, not so much. Do you? Can I ask you something? Does it feel weird to be the bearer of bad news with that stuff? No. It feels strange to me because I keep saying it and saying it. But it's almost like no one really wants to believe it. Um, they grew up in a country that they think is a democratic republic. It's not. It's yeah. not anything I mean, like. <laughs> to to give you to give you the uh, difference in the UK, over mm -hmm. here you have to have been convicted before they can seize your assets. <laughs> they can't just grab it and then go, "Oh, you weren't guilty." Sorry, over here they're not this. allowed to grab it until <laughs> after <laughs> they've proved you're guilty. Yeah, no, 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 that's not how it works here. Yeah. No, it's not how it works here. Now it's just suspicion. You're driving around with a large amount of cash. You must yeah. be a drug dealer. You have you have a Bentley. We don't know why, so we're going to take it. Mm -hmm. Well, over here they could do that, but it'd have to stay in storage until after there'd been a court case. So yeah, and if 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 you weren't found guilty, they'd have to give it back. You know the way it's supposed to work. You know. Oh, yeah. oh, stop it! The way it's supposed <laughs> to work. With, I mean, I've got to tell you. It's almost like habeas corpus is pretty much gone. Just looking at the way some things are allowed to happen. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of our law obviously comes from English common law. Mm -hmm. um, and I see a lot of those standards being completely thrown the fuck out. Not just the Constitution, not just the Bill of Rights, but English common law, which is about the most, about the oldest form of civilized law that I really know about. And it's not um, really law, it's more just common sense. Well, yeah, but we lack that here. Yeah. Um, the, the things that are happening now and that are allowed to happen, are they're kind of scary, actually. It, um... You stop and open your eyes and look around, you're not going to like what you see. 
Okay. Speaking of habeas corpus, you know, the idea of if there's a murder, there must be a body, or if there's a crime, you must be charged. Um, I saw they had some of the victims of Hanman Square giving testimony again last month. That was pretty horrible. There's some video of it somewhere. If you look online and search it, it's pretty bad. Um, that's why I say I think we live under this illusion that we live in a certain system and we do not. Okay. Um, 200 imprisoned based on illegal cell phone trafficking. Okay, this is the Stingray story. Do you want the music? Sure. Stand by for action. We are about to launch Stingray. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Two hundred imprisoned based on illegal cell phone tracking review fines. Lawyers in Baltimore, we talked about this before last year, more than once, I think, have identified as many as 200 people who were sent to prison based on evidence police gathered with the help of a powerful cell phone tracking tool that state court has now ruled was used illegally. The ruling, issued Wednesday by Maryland's second highest court, that Baltimore police violated the Constitution when they used one of the tracking devices to catch a shooting suspect without first obtaining a search warrant. It was the first time an appeals court had weighed in directly on the legality of phone trackers that have been widely and mostly secretly used by police agencies for, for nearly a decade. Cell phone trackers have an objectively reasonable expectation. Okay, cell phone users, sorry have an objectively reasonable expectation that their cell phones will not be used as a real-time tracking device, though the direct and active interference of that law enforcement, well, through the direct and active interference of law enforcement, a panel of three judges on Maryland's Court of Special Appeals wrote. The judges also accused Baltimore authorities of misleading the lower court judge who had approved the use of the device, commonly known as a stingray. That decision could imperil hundreds of criminal convictions in Baltimore and elsewhere in Maryland where police have used stingrays prolifically. An investigation last year by USA Today identified nearly 2,000 cases in Baltimore alone in which the police had secretly used stingrays to make arrests for everything from murder to petty thefts, typically without obtaining a search warrant. We have a grave concern that our clients are incarcerated because of the use of the stingray that was illegal, said Natalie Fingier who is coordinating a review of Stingray cases for the city's public defender. And Garrett said the defense lawyers are focused most urgently on about 200 cases in which people appear to have been sent to prison based on evidence the police found after they used a Stingray. Those are the emergencies, she said. By itself, it's just a huge number of cases. Stingrays, here we go again, are suitcase-sized devices that allow the police to pinpoint a cell phone's location within a few yards by posing as a cell tower. They have drawn alarm from privacy advocates in part because they can also intercept information from the phones of nearly everyone else who happens to be nearby. 
dozens of police departments from Miami to Los Angeles-owned Stingrays, but few have revealed how or when they use them, in large part because they signed non-disclosure agreements with the FBI. As a result, few courts have weighed in on the circumstances in which the police are permitted to use them. The U.S. Department of Justice last year obtained, ordered federal agents to obtain search warrants before using Stingrays. Maryland prosecutors can ask the state's highest court to overturn Wednesday's decision. Christine Tobar, a spokeswoman for the state's attorney general, said it was reviewing and evaluating next steps. Even if it stands, the legal road for people imprisoned on the basis of what the judges declared to be an illegal search is far from straightforward. State law puts strict limits on when and how to be an illegal, when and how people serving prison sentences can challenge their convictions. This isn't some kind of get out of jail free card. It might be different case by case, ACLU lawyer Nathan Wessler said. What's clear from this opinion is that secrecy cannot stand. A Baltimore detective testified last year that police had used the tracking device about 43,000 times since 2007. Wednesday's court opinion came in the case of Keenan Andrews, who was charged in 2014 shooting. A city judge said a city judge gave the police a pen register order, a court order that does not require the same level of proof as a search warrant, authorizing them to use a stingray to find him. Maryland's Court of Special Appeals ruled that because the police had not obtained a search warrant, prosecutors could not make use of the evidence they found when Andrews was arrested. The judges announced their decision nearly a month ago, but did not lay out their reasoning or the legal problems with Baltimore surveillance until they delivered a 74-page opinion on Wednesday. A Baltimore court ordered Andrews freed on bond while the state decides whether to appeal. His lawyer, assistant public defender, Deborah Levi, said he could be freed as soon as Friday. Yeah, the police have pissed off the judges. Never a good idea. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I'm not trying to say that I think a murderer should go free, um, because I don't. Um, but it's better one murderer go free than one innocent man be jailed. That That is how justice is blind is supposed to work. It's not blind if it can see everything everyone's doing, right? Which means nobody gets a fair shot, right? Well, all, all it comes down to is basically the police have been lying about not having these devices. Yes. They've been lying about the use of them. Mm -hmm. Therefore, any prosecutions where they've used this, yeah, they have to be looked at again. And as you can tell by the 74 page opinion yeah the judges are not are quite angry about this judges well, do not normally write big long documents just for fun no. <laughs> well they're very angry and they have a right to be angry because they've been led to believe that it's only a wiretap yeah a pen register is just a a wiretap and they've been led to believe that they had all this information on these suspects they didn't they obtained it all from using a stingray and that's scary because, you know, look how much they used it and they relied on it. Yeah, lazy know. policing, um, yeah. So, something happened last week in Florida. And I didn't stick it in the show notes because I was still fucking pissed about it. Stuff happens but, in Florida? You sure? Yeah, yeah, well, I know. Yeah, if you follow Florida Man on Twitter... You'll hear some pretty fucked up stuff. Well, um, 
besides that, something else happened in Florida. And some people know what I'm talking about and some people don't. Um, so one of the more interesting things is there's a man who lives in Naples and he noticed something on outside his telephone pole outside on his telephone pole and it had been there for I guess a while the name of this story which comes from my local news affiliate is are you being watched and don't even know it so I'm I'm gonna read this because it's local and it pisses me off are you being watched and don't even know it Armed with a lengthy pole with his cell phone attached to it on the end, he lifted his phone, oh, okay, in Lee High Acres. A resident was suspicious about an electric box that was located on a power pole outside his home. It didn't look like anything else in the neighborhood, and it seemed to be pointing towards his house. Armed with a lengthy pole with his cell phone attached to one end, he lifted his phone up to get a peek at what was inside the box. When he looked at the video, it was unmistakable. A camera was peeking out from the other side of the black tinted glass. The man told us he called the Lee County Sheriff's Office to complain, and not long after, a work crew with a bucket truck was on his street taking down the electric box with the camera inside. They wouldn't tell him what the box or camera were for. Unlike cameras installed in downtown Fort Myers or other high-traffic areas, this camera was in a primary residential community. Um, but it turns out this wasn't the only similar box in Lehigh Acres. We were able to find another identical electric box installed in a different neighborhood. Homeowners in the area were mostly unaware of the camera, except for one neighbor. The shape and everything led me to believe it was a camera, Mike Frisbee said. Mike and Carol Frisbee live a few houses down from where the camera was installed, and Mike said he always suspected it was a camera when he saw it go up. After that, he said, I said, good, and just forgot about it, he said. Mixed emotions, really, his wife said. She's used to seeing LCSO cars on her street, responding to problems, but she wonders why the agency didn't tell neighbors about the camera. We do have some problems around here, so I do feel a little safer, a little violated, but much safer. We reached out to the Lee County Sheriff's Office for an interview, but the request was denied. In an email, a spokesperson for the Sheriff's Office wrote, We're not at liberty to discuss any special investigative techniques or tactics that we employ. It would be ludicrous to comment on our capabilities and inform the criminal element just how we operate. We know how state laws govern search and seizure, as well as laws handed down by the Supreme Court of the United States. While LCSO would not confirm the cameras were theirs, the electric box is similar to other surveillance tools easily found online. It also looks similar to fake electronic boxes installed in a Naples community that turned out to be surveillance cameras. Residents in that neighborhood say they were told the boxes would help boost cell reception. A homeowner living near the electric box in Lehigh Acres, who did not want to be identified, says she was told the box was there to improve cell reception and might be moved in a few months. By Tuesday morning, the electric box in Lehigh Acres was taken down. It's not uncommon for law enforcement to conceal these cameras from the public, according to Slade Gurr, CEO of Covent law Covert Law Enforcement, which sells similar surveillance technology. It really defeats the purpose to tell someone there will be a surveillance system available, Gurr said. He said these covert cameras have become increasingly helpful to law enforcement. Officers today using technology are able to do things that in the past might have taken four or five officers several days to conduct the type of investigation we're able to do, Gurr said. He also believes that most law enforcement agencies are not using covert cameras for general surveillance of the public, but for specific investigations. 
If it's deployed in a covert nature, there's specifically a reason or a specific type of investigation that's being conducted, Gurr said. But ACLU Florida Executive Director Howard Simon is calling foul. That's a bunch of baloney. That's not a law enforcement tactic, he said. Simon says law enforcement agencies should provide proof that surveillance cameras are making a difference. Let's do a study. Did they accomplish their purpose, Simon asked. But more important to Simon is whether there are policies in place to prevent potential abuse of surveillance cameras by law enforcement. This is giving an assurance to the people that while in an area they may have to be under surveillance, there are also protections in place to protect the privacy of the citizens of the community, Simon said. So, yeah. Little residential dinky neighborhoods. Yeah, the, so. what makes me laugh is their idea of covert. We'll put this giant grey box on top of the pole. Nobody will notice. Yeah. No one will ever notice this. Yeah, you so, can get yeah. you can get cameras that can fit in the button of your coat. But <laughs> no no, we'll we'll put the giant box on a pole. That that'll that that'll help. <laughs> it looks like every other pole box no one will notice. Yeah, people notice. In in some ways that's why the UK has gone about it and Okay, it's not the most ideal way, but it is a decent thing. You know, we have CCTV covering huge areas of our country, mm -hmm. but they're all bloody obvious. <laughs> and right. we've now had them so long that your casual criminals forget they're there, commit crime, get caught on camera, get convicted, so it's good. And normal law-abiding citizens don't have to worry too much about it. <laughs> when, our, when our police do covert it is covert it is hey. miniature cameras not giant I, boxes yeah because and it happens because criminals can be fucking stupid though Barry yeah. um, they, they seriously can because we have signs up all over the car wash and the storage buildings they're fucking everywhere that say that <laughs> This premises is under 24-hour video surveillance. And let me tell you, people are stupid. Really, really stupid. Oh, I know. The only good thing about surveillance is it catches everyone in its net. Not that I'm happy to be caught in the net. But it also means those asshole politicians can't hide from us. I mean, look at those papers that just came out recently. Yeah. You know? The ones that prove that all these millionaires are hiding all this money all over the place. And that's pretty good stuff. Don't get me wrong, it's a leak, but it just means that they just can't hide. Yeah. But yes, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I still laugh at covert camera. And you see the picture of it. And you're like, really? Covert? It's a big box. <laughs> How's that covert? And the fact... That it's obviously a surveillance box because of the 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 smoke glass across the center. Of course. If it was just an electrical box, it'd just have a plain front. It wouldn't it need would a be glass solid. bit. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, exactly. God, it's, it's insane. Ridiculous. It is. It's the fact so, that they, they sort of won't tell you that's what it is when it, that's obviously what it is. It's like. Mm. Yeah, well, you know, they probably signed a privacy agreement with the Stingray people not to tell us. <laughs> what did you call Florida last week, Jen? Oh, um, death's waiting room. Yeah, okay. So, well, maybe if you're 95, you wouldn't 
understand that that's a camera. Yeah, but yeah, not everybody most, in Florida most, is 95. Yeah. <laughs> From my experience, in, in a retirement community like that, if, if a new box appeared on a pole, it would be, be gossiped about before they'd even finished installing it. So the whole <laughs> idea of it being covert surveillance would be out the window straight away. Because you'd have every old person in the neighborhood going, look, they're putting that up on the mill. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it. Uh, it's ridiculous to just think that nobody noticed. Oh. So that's it, Ret retired <coughs> people, especially. Did you have yes. go free time? They, 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 they have a lot of free time. Down yeah, they there. spy I mean, on each other all the time. It's And they it's start insane. drinking at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. By like 7.30, they're so shit-faced. So, so that type... That type of covert box will only only work in an area where you don't have lots of retired people. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't even look covert, but I mean, I no. just think it's hysterical. Yeah. So yeah, no, nowhere is really safe from you know. Well, to weird to give you an idea of how funny cameras can be, <coughs> there are several cameras in Sterling. Right. Which people are like, oh, it's great. Well, you know, the town center's got all these cameras. Mm -hmm. Not all of them are actually hooked up. <laughs> they just put them up and don't bother wiring them in. It's just as a deterrent. Well, but as Jeannie of... says, that that's a double-edged sword. If you have too many cameras, then people get blase and it doesn't work. Um, Aberdeen um, was one of the first cities in the UK to have lots of cameras. But they only had them in the city centre. And yeah... You know, convenience store robberies, muggings, all that. The numbers went down in the town centre. Mm -hmm. Numbers, however, went up just outside the town centre. Because the criminals are like, oh, there's cameras there. Oh, we'll just go over there where there aren't any. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand the idea of trying to derail a bad actor. Yeah. Okay. But... I don't know. At some point, I think you just get numb to being watched all the time under constant surveillance. You know, you see it all the time. Yeah. People, I'm going to mention it again. We live in public. It's a very good documentary. It's all about like closed circuit television and it's about surveillance cameras and just like, Actually, what would be interesting, I would love to see it updated now. I would love to see an average person followed on their daily routine. How many times they get picked up on a camera now in the UK, it would be a ridiculous amount of times. Oh, yeah. I used to want to think it would be a ridiculous amount of times here in the US, but I'm cameras be cheap less optimistic now. about that yeah. every day. Hmm? Cameras are cheap now. That's the thing. Yeah, they are. Exactly. So it's really easy. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. We'll, we'll buy 5,000 cameras. Dunk. There we go. They're everywhere. We got a, ours is, we have a 10 camera system that has even has night vision on it. And uh, we can access it from anywhere. It automatically goes and backs up. Uh, yeah. A lot of them are motion activated. Yep. Um, and it was less than $500. So, I mean, you know. Buying a video surveillance system is cheap for John Q. Public. Uh, yep. Imagine. Well, never mind. No, I was going <laughs> to imagine how cheap they would be for the state in bulk, but 
that's not true because they're, <laughs> then, then you come into the state mandated pricing. Yeah. And, and you're in a whole nother realm of fucking ignorance there. Yeah, buying contracts where there's 100% yeah. markup on everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, yeah, it's crazy. If, you know, you either have to do the state mandated pricing or you have to buy them from the approved Better. provider. And what that generally means is we wanted to say outfoot, outfit, outfoot, outfit, <laughs> a computer lab at a school. Mm -hmm. Okay. You were going to go and you're going to buy 30 computers. Say you went to BNN Photo or you went to Newegg or you went to Tiger Direct. You could get a lot of computing power right. for your money. Whereas if you had to do it with the state mandated pricing, you know, say you were going to Tiger Direct, you were going to get 30 computers. Well, under the state mandated pricing, if you were to get an equal computer system, you were only going to be able to afford to get 10. Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I have a friend who um, has got fibromyalgia. Yeah. Myalgia. Mm -hmm. So, in the UK, she's she she went to university, so she got a uh, you know free computer equipment. <laughs> so, um, put it this way: the computer she ended up with is less powerful than mine and costs twice as much. Yeah, <laughs> because it's bought through one of these government schemes. It's like yeah, it's like the the printer, the printer for it. It's down as being a six hundred pound, six hundred pounds printer. Mm -hmm. You can buy them for under a hundred pounds. Perfect. Um, I mean the the government budgets are insane. Uh, her, oh, they bought her a computer chair and desk. The chair is twelve hundred pounds, and uh. It's only about as good as the computer chair I've got, which cost eighty pounds. Well, and mine's you know, got padded arms; hers doesn't. The government doesn't care because it's not their money. Yeah, they're just—they're looking at it the wrong way. They say to you, especially in the UK, they say it a lot: "We're all in this together." That's not true. Yeah, it's definitely That's not, not true because we're in yeah. it together. I'd have beaten to death several politicians by now because we'd be all in the same room uh, but you, you understand what I'm saying I yeah. know they say that all the time we're all in this together really that's why you have no problem taking the money of poor people and doing with it what you do um, it's, government gets to be an ugly thing after it gets to be a certain age I think oh mon money stories uh, <laughs> yes <laughs> I can't remember where I saw it, but it was a report from one of the British newspapers last week right. about her lovely Chancellor going down in history. And it wasn't about the... He's borrowed more money than any government <laughs> in UK history, uh, despite saying he's paying down the debt. Um, it was the, the sell-off of public land that they've sneaked through you should go look it up I can't you should maybe you could maybe put it on next week 
But it's okay. quite an amazing amount of money that they're basically handing to their rich friends. Well, of course they are, because you don't really matter. You know, it's like billions worth of property being sold off for millions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, So, you know, the, the country makes a loss, but the rich people make a profit. That's right. It's like, we got a million pounds, you know, we got a billion pounds worth of property for a million. You know, it's like, uh, uh, thanks very much, government. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So just because we're talking about surveillance and no one was shocked, Poll, <laughs> Americans care more about terror than privacy, civil rights. I'm shocked. I'm totally shocked because everybody cares about their privacy. Not. Most Americans are more concerned about security and defeating the Islamic State than they are about privacy rights, a new Morning Council poll finds. Whopping 71% of respondents said they reported requiring companies like Facebook, Apple, and Google to give law enforcement access to their personal information. And 76% of those want companies to assist in terror-related investigations. Two-thirds want them to turn over information so the government can identify and monitor potential terrorists. Those numbers also belie tech companies' recent stances against providing information after federal authorities asked Apple to help them get into the iPhone used by a San Bernardino shooter. The Department of Justice dropped its request Monday after finding another way to access the phone. The Morning Consult poll, which surveyed voters in the days following the terror attacks in Brussels last week, also found half of Americans support temporarily banning foreign Muslims from entering the United States, a move espoused by Republican frontrunner Donald Trump and 49% supported stepped-up patrols of Muslim neighborhoods, which Texas Senator Ted Cruz has recommended. The balance between privacy and security has become a flashpoint in recent months as Republican candidates have proposed more intrusive methods to thwart attacks. There are some other interesting findings from the poll. 78% support an added layer of security outside airports. 75% support increasing funding for the TSA. 84% support increasing training for TSA agents. 81% back increasing funding for background checks on airport workers. That, I'm, I'm down with the background checks on the airport workers. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think I'm shocked by that. <laughs> Whenever yeah, something yeah. bad it's, happens. The public is, is, is basically like a little kid. Mm -hmm. uh, show them something scary and they're like, Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know. I, I like bad happened in my world of rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that people are more realistic than that. No, they're not, Jan. Nope. No, they're, they're not. not. Okay. You, know, you obviously you know don't what? spend enough time on Facebook, John, otherwise I don't. you'd know this. <laughs> you, you do know do you know what Kevin calls this show? No. Kevin calls this the VP Live show for smart people. <laughs> what are we doing here then? I'm on this show with you. Yeah. Well, um, what he was saying is that most of the public doesn't want to be aware of the things that we talk about. They're happy in oh, yeah. well, their own little world where, you know, none of this happens. The I agree with that. I, I can agree the with that. The government yeah. doesn't pay off cops by bribery with civil asset forfeiture. No one's being spied on by their local police, by cameras on telephone poles. And certainly, democracy is safe because an election has never been hacked. And your money is safe in the banks. 
So I think that's what he's referring to. So, yeah. Um, the last thing I said I would talk about is the banking thing. And that's really, 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 really long. So <laughs> I'll just read a little bit of it. Losing count, U.S. terror rules drive money underground. Banks close the accounts of customers they fear may be up to no good, evicting them from the financial system, those the government most wants to watch. Uh, over the Atlantic Ocean, the carry-on bags in the luggage bin above seat 7G on a recent U.S. flight to Dubai contained thousands of bills, 20s, 50s, and 100s, all neatly wrapped in rubber bands and plastic. The cash was carried aboard by Abdi Wansaim, a Somali immigrant and an employee of a Midwestern money transfer company that was shut out of the international banking system last year. The firm now ferries cash by hand. The bills have since disappeared from the U.S. financial system. After arriving in Dubai, they entered an opaque network of trade loans and remittances that fans across Eastern Africa and the Middle East. U.S. banks have closed thousands of accounts held by people and organizations considered to be suspicious, high-risk, or difficult to monitor, including money transfer firms, foreign banks, and nonprofits working abroad. Closing accounts for fear their customers may be up to no good evicts from the financial system the innocent as well as those the U.S. government would most like to watch, a consequence not anticipated by Washington. Comptroller of the currency, Thomas Curry, this month acknowledged that the potential danger Transactions that would have taken place legally in transparency may transparently may be driven underground, he told an international conference of bankers and regulators in Washington. With parallels to the way telecommunications companies have aided the National Security Agency, banks and other financial institutions have been enlisted by the U.S. to identify and report signs of terror financing and money laundering. Fearing steep financial penalties for failing to spot a wayward customer, many banks now shun anyone who looks risky. That leaves ostracized companies to seek alternatives, such as toting bags of cash overseas, a practice that allows hundreds of millions of dollars to leave the global banking system, according to a bipartisan group of lawmakers that in January asked for a review of the problem by the Government Accountability Office, the investigative arm of Congress. The whole flow of money goes underground, and that becomes counterproductive to the original purpose of being able to track it. Dila Rapta, head economist of the World Bank, unit that studies remittances said it's a bit paradoxical. U.S. officials says they say they don't intend banks to close whole category of customers' accounts. Risky accounts should be managed, officials said, not avoided altogether. Immigrants in the U.S. sent about $54 billion abroad in 2014, the World Bank estimates. Companies moving the money include such global giants as Western Union Company and MoneyGram International, as well as small firms like Mr. Warsames. A recent World Bank survey of 82 money transfer companies found that more than half lost bank accounts in 2014. About a quarter of the respondents have closed or will now operate without a business bank account. It goes how much longer than that? Again, there's a lot of money. I got news for you. That's not, that's not necessarily just applies to businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul and I, right? Paul works in different areas all the time. Okay. And one of the little podunk towns he has to work in, um, there was like a $3.50 fee every time he needed to draw money out of the ATM. Right. Because it wasn't his bank. Well, we finally got sick of it and said, fuck it, they offer free checking, we'll open a checking account there, 
and have $20 of his check go into this account every week. If it was there when he, you know, I mean, if it's there and he needs it, fine. It won't cost us three freaking dollars for him to withdraw 10 bucks for lunch. I mean, you know, that's just kind of freaking stupid. And believe it or not, um, everybody that lives in big cities, there are actually a lot of businesses that to this day don't take debit cards. Yep. Because, yeah, because of the fees associated with taking debit cards. We got a letter from them um, stating that we hadn't used the account in six months. And by the the new federal regulations, they got to close and keep the money. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, no, the banking system is, it gets more and more fucked up all the time. And it just kind of cracks me up that by being stupid our government is taking money out of the financial sector and pumping it into the black and gray markets, possibly the red market, probably the red market more than anything else. And that scares me. I happily have the money sitting in the black and gray markets. No problem. White market, some pink market stuff, but the red market stuff scares me. I mean, the the way, the way governments or banks are doing this now, they're in a way they're making it easier for, yeah, dodgy people to launder their money. Exactly. Exactly. And so that is the unintended consequences of your government at work. My government. Not so much your government, I don't think. Um, No, no, my my government's way more crooked when it comes to money. Well, right, but they're probably not forcing it all underground, like mine is. No, it's all out in the open. It's like, and and they tell you, this is how we're going to screw you. And then they do it, <laughs> and you can you can read all the public figures on just how much they've screwed you for. It's great. Yeah, yeah the the UK's biggest industry is banking. Yeah, I know. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I it's mean, it's a mess and, over here. <laughs> and about the most, the funniest thing I ever heard was that uh, they should take your bankers. I, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The time. Russell Brand was on that show on RTV, yeah. RT America, um, saying he and the host were saying they should take and behead bankers and put their heads up on pikes outside the Tower of London. Yeah. I don't know. I that seems... be, in the UK that would be several hundred thousand people. That's okay, you know they. But these are the same people that want to take money out of the mouths of the elderly, the sick, and the poor, right? Well, no, no, no. That, that's that's just politicians. That's yeah. oh well. That actually is still separate from the banks. The banks couldn't care less. Are you, are you sure? Because it seems like they're all working together now. No, no. The banks really don't care about poor people at all. They don't even think about us. Uh, no, no. I'm saying the banks and the government seem like they're almost one entity as it is. Well, you know, yes, but no. Yes, but no. <laughs> the banks are the ones in charge. Not the government. Yeah, well, of course they are. They've always been. Whoever, he who has the money controls the way things will go. Well, for instance, uh, the last week, yeah. We're, we were happy to pay, was it 40 billion to bail out UK banks? But it'd take 200 million to bail out the British steel industry, but they don't want to do that. So That's for what amazing. they paid for the banks, they could bail out the UK steel production industry for 200 years 
But no, well, they, they don't want to pay any money towards it at all. You know, I think what's really fucked up is when we, we were forced to bail out the banks here. Yeah. We were forced to bail out the auto companies here. Mm. We were forced to bail out the insurance industry here. And we didn't want to do it. And they fucking made us. When Ron Paul, who clearly was a man who's just like, your money is your own money, taxation is theft, the guy's kind of like my hero. When he stood up and said, why are we bailing these people out? Why don't we just bail out the American worker? Because they'll take that money and shift it back into the economy. Now, let's give everybody $50,000 instead of doing this. It would be cheaper and, and we would have, you know, better results. Everyone laughed at him for that. Yeah. But it's pretty much true. If you give money to the people on the bottom, they will actually spend it. If you give money to the banks, they reward themselves with higher bonuses for people who do a shit job of stealing your fucking money. If you bail out the auto industry, they will eventually go under anyway. If you bail out the insurance industry, they will still continue on in their crooked practices. So... Insurance there really companies is no have win. crooked practices? Really? I know. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> I know. It's like I'm telling everybody something they don't know. <laughs> yeah, any so. yeah, yeah. Anyone who's ever had to try to claim on their insurance just knows how crooked they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> there was one at one. You point, put a full stop in the wrong place on that sentence. We're not giving you your money. What? <laughs> <laughs> you mean I've got to go through all this again? Yeah. yeah. That's kind of how it is. So there's nothing you can do to get your money back from the bank, genie. Now that we know of, no. Fantastic. So you have to use an account within six months? So, like a checking account, a debit account? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, the, it's, it's allegedly to stop money laundering. Because they, they go, oh, if it hasn't been used in six months, it's just a money drop for somebody to hide money. Yeah. That's the, that's the reasoning. It's well, insane. There's not even any need to do that anymore. We can no. just send it all out of the country. See the UK, you can uh, what what <laughs> most people I know who've and and I I've known a few over the years who've had dodgy money that need to launder. Um, we have things over here called ISAs, which are like a savings bond. Right. It's kind of like a bank account, but you know you you've got to give three months notice when you want to cash it in, and that's right. where they, that's where they put their money because it's tax free. So you have your illegal money, you pay it into this ISA until you've they've got a size limit. So you pay in your money until you reach the limit, and then you leave it there for however many months you're supposed to, and then you mm -hmm. can cash it out in actual cash and wander off with it. <laughs> that, that's how corrupt it is over here. <laughs> well, yeah, It's supposed to be a way for lower-earning people to save money without having to pay tax on it. What it actually does is act as a money laundering service. Very yeah. clever of the British banks and the British government. They brought well, them in about a decade ago. Nice. No, close, close to two decades now. Hmm. But yes, tax-free saving for the drug dealer. Uh, hey, <laughs> you know, because, you know, value is important when you're dealing drugs. Uh. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and the funniest bit, of course... You're only supposed to have one. So what you do is 
you go around each bank and get one with each bank. Nice. Because <laughs> the banks don't talk to each other. Except unless it's really, really extreme circumstances. I've got to say, it's not just the banks, it's the government. And it's business as well. Mm-hmm. The bigger they get, the dumber they get. The stupider the regulations are. Oh, that, that was in our budget as well. There's now a, a bigger ISA. They've nice. just brought in. Yeah, The drug dealers will be celebrating. Um, to be fair, the guy, the one guy I knew who was doing that, he, he, he was just making like pirated films. You know, he was burning DVDs basically. Uh, right. So not a drug dealer, but <laughs> but yeah, he was taking all the money. He was he was taking he was getting given cash by his customers. He was taking the cash and putting it in an ISA because that that cleaned the money. You know, it could then be explained. Oh yeah, I was putting a little aside. Beautiful. He had eight ISAs. Of course he did. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> and shit, you might as well support the local black and grey economy. Yeah. That <laughs> was mean, in my hometown, by the way. The town that's only got like 3,000 people in it. <laughs> he was doing this in. And he was making enough money to have six of the damn ISAs. You know, yeah. well, <laughs> I tell you something. The money is not in getting up every day and killing yourself with a legal job. Oh, he, 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 he worked. I'm just, he no, I'm saying the money, yeah. the money is not in that. No. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, he was making about five times from his illegal activities what he was making being a waiter. Um, yeah. And it wasn't very time-consuming because, yeah, he was setting stuff to burn, coming to work, working a shift, going home, you know. He had, a ba- he had a bank of computers in his house. <laughs> I don't even... I can't even. I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know that uh, there's a lot you can do to change the system, but you can be aware of how it is, how it works, and the more aware you are, the more aware other people can be. Yeah. And eventually you reach a critical mass. You do want to have at least minimal knowledge of how this shit works. Otherwise, if you ever have to talk to accountants, yeah, you're going to be in way over your head. (laughs) No, I agree. I think that might be it for tonight. I know it's hard to believe. And no, the X-Files is not on for anybody who's going to ask. Jen's taking sympathy on me because my husband's home. I am. So, um... But Lucifer's on as well on Mondays. That's true. So, yeah. Um, Muppets and Advert? Muppets and Advert. I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. 
Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in-stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast. Amoseek.com. Have a great night, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.